Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Jacob Dunn. He is CEO at So Eden Organics. We're going to talk to him a little bit about the CBD space, how that market is developing. Um, We're going to talk a little bit about brands, about how we think things are going to play out. Obviously, we're in the middle of a pandemic as well. So I'm curious to see his his take or um, what he's seeing in terms of the impact on the market, how people are responding to the logistical challenges of pandemic, as well as kind of the health and psychological side and to the extent that uh, CBD is being both impacted by and helping with pandemic issues. I'm kind of curious to see what Jacob's uh, seeing out there in the market. It's an interesting time, uh, obviously, in the world in general. It's a particularly interesting time to be in cannabis. So I'm excited to have this conversation. With that, Jacob, welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks for having me, Bruce. Yeah, so let's start with background, learn a little bit about you, about So Eden. What's the story? How did you get involved in cannabis? Yeah, sure. So I've been in cannabis a long time, currently 35. I got into cannabis when I was about 18. Just started using cannabis sort of just naturally. And then I was one of my first friends to get a medical marijuana license. 
back when it was really popular. So I uh-huh. obtained a medical card from a doctor. And and when was that? Give us time frames. Oh, man, that was uh, 2003, 2004. Yeah, okay. yeah so right. yeah, so quite a number of years ago. Yeah. And so I just started, you know, naturally cultivating my mom allowed me to cultivate a little bit kind of that was always a little bit of a struggle with back and forth with her one day she'd be (laughs) one day she would be okay with it and then two weeks later she'd be like i you know i really wanted out of the house you know so it was a constant battle Mm-hmm. It's, it's funny. It's always a constant battle with cannabis. I feel like. Yeah. Um, well, it's it, it, it is yeah. kind of the nature of cannabis is that it has multifacets, <laughs> and depending stigma. on where has you a put it. Stigma, unfortunately, right? Yeah. Yeah. Especially with the our parents' generation and so mm-hmm. forth. But anyway, so got into cannabis that way, and then just really started to appreciate its medicinal value. I used it a lot for chronic pain. I have a knee injury. Mm-hmm. My knee always bothers me, so I would I would use it to help my knee pain. And then kind of fast forward a number of years later, my grandfather had undergone a kidney transplant. He had experienced kidney failure. So he received a donor kidney. And then, of course, they put you on all these anti-rejection medications. And the anti-rejection medications create a whole slew of problems from like cancers to other just health issues, right? Mm -hmm. Um, these pharmaceuticals so he finally reached out to me and said you know can you help me i really need help like sleeping i'm i feel nauseous i'm sick all the time and my grandfather was always you know he hated cannabis he i always told him grandpa i want to grow up and i want to do something in the cannabis industry and he just had zero faith in that he thought it was a joke yeah we always fought about it and towards the end of his life he kind of started to transition be like accepting of it So I had a friend, a really good childhood friend who had another business partner and his business partner was developing CBD genetics and doing a lot of breeding. So my grandpa did not want to get high. So finally I obtained a few pounds of some CBD rich flour and I did my own extraction on it with, I believe it was ethanol. I did like a Rick Simpson type extraction okay. where you, you soak all the cannabis in alcohol and then you put it in a, in a rice cooker and you cook off all the alcohol. Mm-hmm. And it really helped my grandfather. But unfortunately, he, he passed away a few years later. Mm, um, yeah, just, you know, he was 82, I think, and he lived a long, good life. But so I just kind of continued on that path. And pretty soon I was just making CBD. <laughs> so yeah. the business has come a long way since then, you know, making it in a crock pot kind of in my backyard. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Like what are some of the challenges or, or learnings that you've had in that process going from, you know, it sounds like a, a fairly kind of personal and individual relationship with the plant and, and, and the process to really kind of looking at it as a business. Is there anything that's that you've had to kind of change or shift in terms of your thinking or kind of how you how you relate to it? It's just insofar as like creating a business from your kitchen table to mm-hmm. moving into your spare bedroom. And then moving into an actual office and then actually, you know, I have zero training as far as like, um, you know, chemistry or mixology or anything. So I'm completely Mm -hmm. self-taught. So those are a lot of challenges I overcame, you know, a lot of research on the Internet. My formal training, I actually went to grad school. So going from grad school to like the cannabis industry was sort of like interesting thing. I always made like capsules. I've, I've always made like these THC capsules uh, mm-hmm. for family and friends. So just kind of converting that to CBD and kind of going that route. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if that answered your question, but 
that was sort of like just the challenge of, of overcoming myself and my limitations. Mm. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, it's a, you know, classic, a classic sort of process or story for many, many leaders. I would say most, and maybe even all, you know, is, is actually stepping into that leadership role and, yeah. and why am I here? Do I deserve this? Am I really good enough? You know, it's that imposter syndrome thing that we all go through as we kind of have take on more power and influence. Yeah, and, and I leadership. totally understand. And also you mentioned the imposter syndrome. I kind of went through that too in grad school where you feel like, you know, yeah. am I good enough to be here? Yeah. Um, I, you know, you look around, you see all these really, really intelligent people. Mm-hmm. And um, so there's always that that yeah. stuff going yeah. on in your mind. And then when I met my, you know, my current fiance, mm-hmm. she was like, you know what, you need to stop doing this at your kitchen table. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she kind of was the, the force behind me, like, kind of accelerating the business to where yeah. it's become. And, and what, um, what did that enable you to do? Like, as you look at having kind of scaled the business, what, what is the benefit or what's the impact it's had, you know, for you, you know, in terms of the impact? Tell us a little bit of that. Yeah, I mean, it just allowed me to, again, get out of my own way and grow the business and actually, you know, put everything I had into the business yeah. and believe in myself, really. I, I guess also that I had a great product, you know, when I was doing it, CBD wasn't really that popular yet. You know, Sanjay, yeah. Gup- Sanjay Gupta had just sort of began to popularize CBD. Yeah. Then the CBD rush hadn't really hit yet. I mean, I could go to any dispensary around Los Angeles and they would buy my product just because they really didn't have too many CBD brands. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure we'll get into it. The market is so flooded these days. So, yeah. Well, yeah. So tell us about the story. I mean, so, you know, going from, you know, be, being one of the few quality CBD suppliers, how have things shifted? I mean, give us your view of how this has played out. Because, yeah, I know we're, we're in kind of a glut situation now where there's so much CBD on the market. There's so many CBD brands. You know, I think consumers are really interested in it, but they're not very well educated. Right. How did this kind of play out? What were the phases for you as you saw this these changes in the market? Sure. I mean, well, as far as the market goes, I mean, there's several reasons why the market is the way it is currently. Mm-hmm. And the first thing is that, yeah, you're right. The market is very saturated. A lot of people grew hemp that past season and the season before. So acreage is increasing. So there's a ton of CBD on the market and people saw it as this green rush. So they invested a, a lot of money into extraction and a lot of farmers last year grew hemp, but they had never experienced, they had zero experience in growing hemp. So even though there was a lot of hemp produced last year, there was a lot of crop failure, especially up in Oregon. There was a lot of mold. People, there was huge crop losses. But again, there was so much acreage that it didn't necessarily matter. The market got flooded. And then, so the second problem is that there's just such a low barrier for entry into the CBD industry currently. Yeah. You know, I get emails all day from white label producers that say, hey, you know, we'll create a CBD brand for you. You just have to make 24 of each SKU. So it's a minimum of 24 bottles of whatever SKU. And hmm. that's nothing, you know. Yeah. So one of the things that we pride ourselves in is we we hate white label CBD. It's made it like way, way saturated. And so I'm sure you're familiar with what white labeling is. It's Yep. You know, a, a bulk manufacturer makes a ton of products and then all you do as a brand is you just put your own label on it and market it. Yeah, exactly. It's just an, it, basically a marketing, branding, promotional machine. Exactly. Selling the same thing. Yeah. yeah. So if you have, so a lot of the CBD companies actually currently out on the market come from the marketing and corporate sectors. Yeah. And so we're kind of different. We're actually, we're really different. You know, we're, we're a mom and pop. We develop all of our own recipes. Uh, we make everything from scratch. The only thing we don't do in house is actual CBD extraction, just because there are so many people doing it that we just don't need to do it. 
Yeah, exactly. You can't compete, or there's no. It's not. There's no point in trying to there's compete. No, there's that. really no point, and especially too. I mean, we're talking the market. If you're familiar, the I mean, prices of CBD for a kilo, so a thousand grams of CBD oil. I mean, they used to be thirteen thousand plus. Really. And currently, you're t- for. You know, it depends on the quality, of course, but yeah. now you're talking fifteen hundred, a thousand. I'm hearing numbers of even less than a thousand for a really? kilo. So the price of CBD has just plummeted. Well, and talk to me about the quality side because that's I think, yeah. I think the one side that I, I I still like. I certainly conceptually understand that like this this you know CBD on the on the um, you know the sort of the wholesale market is coming in different qualities. But how do you? I mean, are, are there accepted standards on how to actually measure quality of CBD? Is this you know more of a depends on the person and what you're looking for? How do you even know? Are people testing it? Tell us about the quality side. So yeah, that I mean that's a whole it's a mess pretty much. Yeah. So there's no Currently, there's no FDA regulation on CBD, which is good and it's very bad, right? It makes it easy for companies to start up. It makes it easy to produce CBD, but there's no regulation. So the quality is really all over the place. As a company, we're really big on quality. And so we're constantly seeking out the highest quality CBD. So what does that mean? So it depends on who you ask, right? I mean, there's the guys who believe in pharmaceutical grade CBD. So it's going to be more of a CBD isolate, which is a powderized or crystallized CBD. So Mm -hmm. it's going to be 95 to 99% CBD. Science says that that form of CBD is actually the least effective from a therapeutic standpoint. And we've all heard of the entourage effect. And so the CBD isolate really lacks entourage effect because it lacks terpenes, which are the scent compounds um, that really affect the, the, you know, the therapeutic quality of cannabis really. And so CBD isolate is technically the, the like purest form, but it doesn't mean it's the the best form of CBD Most to take. Yeah. It's also the cheapest right now. So a lot of companies are using CBD isolate and they're still charging, you know, part of my French up the ass for these products, right? Yeah. When they should be dirt cheap, really. They're the stuff you should see at 7-Eleven, that kind of stuff, right? So we, we use it technically, it's called broad spectrum. And broad spectrum means that the THC has been removed after the initial extraction. So you have all the other minor cannabinoids or at least a good amount of them and then you, ha- of course, have the full spectrum. So it's mm-hmm. CBD oil with the THC still intact. But again, there's the quality question. There, the quality is all over the place. And for us as a company, we look at quality. We, we want the oil to be closest to its original form, meaning that the one of the biggest medicinal compounds we find are the bioflavonoids. And the bioflavonoids are like the, the um, pigments of the plant. So they tend to make the oil um, uglier. If I could put it that way, the oil tends to be darker, more brown, or even closer to a black color. Yeah. For us, that's higher quality because that means that the oil has more compounds in it. It has it's, it's retaining more of its phytonutrient profile. It's got more of, again, it's just therapeutic, more therapeutic. And then as far as testing goes, it's all over the place. No one's mandating the testing, and yeah. that's the problem. So, so what do you do? So do you, do you have to, like get a sample batch and like test it yourself. I mean, how are people actually Yeah. So when we when out? we purchase CBD, what we do is we make sure we get a certificate of analysis from the extraction facility okay. and we always make sure that they're ISO certified so that they're following like a set standard procedure. Got Their it. facility is not disgusting. They're not doing it out of the garage. Um, yeah. so but lab testing is important for us. So when we talk about lab testing, we're talking about not just uh, cannabinoid content, so like the potency. We're talking mm-hmm. about heavy metals, lead, arsenic, cadmium, that sort of stuff, mercury. 
we're talking yeah. about residual solvents. So what did they use to extract the CBD oil itself out of the plant material, the biomass? Mm-hmm. Did they use hexane, which is very bad? Did they use ethanol? You know, what, what kind of solvent were they using? Was it CO2, yeah. carbon dioxide? So we make sure there's no residual solvent, no heavy metals. We also test for microbiological contaminants. So like you're talking about salmonella, E. coli, that sort of stuff. Okay. So yeah, we're, we're, we're very thorough. And then also, so we test our actual starting products and then we also test our final products. And then, so our products are triple lab tested because we get the lab test from the company we're purchasing our oil from. We get, okay. we test it ourselves, and then we test our products after we make them. Got it. So you're really just making sure every step of the process exactly. you're verifying that nothing's been added. But no, no one's, um, no one's overseeing this process. Yeah. So unless you're obviously in a, a state licensed cannabis program, um, like California. Okay. So, yeah. So, so if you're on the cannabis side, it is because now you're you're into the state regulation. But because CBD has now been authorized federally, but they haven't really figured out the whole you know kind of governing body or how they're going to regulate it. Yeah. You're in this kind of middle world or this, this exactly. And, and CBD is sort of that gray area because even though hemp is is legal in the United States now, CBD isn't actually necessarily it's it's in that gray area. Yeah. You know, you talk to the DEA or the FDA and they say, "Well, CBD really isn't okay to buy outside of uh Epidiolex, which is the the seizure drug yeah. for children." So yeah. Yeah, and so where and how do you how do you see this playing out? I mean, what what do you think the you know, the process could or should be when it comes to you know bringing in the appropriate amount of regulation to make sure that we've got high quality you know safe products for people, but not so great that it you know stifles the the industry or stifles the development of yeah. Know, that's of, a good uh, question. Product. I think if we wait for the federal government, we're just going to be sitting on our hands and twiddling our thumbs. I yeah. I don't I don't foresee federal regulation happening in the next couple of years just because again the federal government really doesn't want cbd to be legal so i think it's actually going to be up to the states the problem is with state regulation is that like i'm in california and california has actually said cannabis derived cbd is okay but hemp derived cbd is actually not okay even though you know maybe some of your your listeners aren't familiar but Hemp-derived CBD and cannabis-derived CBD are the same exact thing. Yeah. Um, it's just a legal loophole that hemp falls into because CBD varieties are grown as hemp, have 0.3% THC mm. at harvest. But California sees cannabis and hemp as two different distinct plants yeah. or categories, and it's it's ludicrous. So, uh, yeah, so, it's, it's tardy, artificial. Exactly. Artificial so if, if California would get off its ass and say, you know what, we're going to create a hemp program that treats cannabis and hemp similarly, and you have to go through a testing process, I think that would eliminate 70% of the companies on the market, just, yeah, especially exactly. in California. Because yeah. testing is expensive. I mean, we spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on testing. So, yeah. yeah, there just needs to be more regulation. But, of course, then you get into that territory of over-regulating something, and then you tax it to death, and it makes it, you know, hard. So Yeah, yeah, yeah it's interesting. And I think, I mean, I do a lot of strategic planning with companies, and and this whole kind of, you know, future possible regulatory structures, frameworks is, is huge on the, you know, when we look at the scenario planning that we need to do, you know, because depending on how that plays out, it can have a huge difference in terms of how not only a, a 
company positions itself in the market, but you know how it needs to operate, where its kind of core capabilities are going to be, what kind of you know capacity and and uh, uh, you know operational things that they need to put in place. Let's talk a little bit about your kind of product line, product strategy. Where have you focused? Why have you focused on those on the particular products that you have uh, sure. chosen to, to develop? Yeah, so we originally came out with. Um, so I used to be in the cannabis space as well. So I'll tell you yeah. just a real quick backstory. So we actually used to make. CBD tinctures that had a little bit of THC in them. Well, we tried to get a license from a local city and the city wanted to charge us like $300,000 annually for a permit to to manufacture cannabis. So we kind of transitioned because that was ludicrous, right? I mean, yeah. my company is extremely small. Wasn't going to get an investor just to pay this massive city fee, right? So we transitioned to CBD. So I kind of started off with tinctures and tinctures are, you know, sublingual drops that you drop underneath the tongue. And the reason why we stuck with tinctures is just because they're one of the most bioavailable forms of CBD aside from smoking or vaporizing mm-hmm. it. And, you know, you drop it underneath the tongue and it uh, absorbs sublingually into the bloodstream. So um, it, it, set, it the, pretty much has a very quick effect. Mm-hmm. So we, we have a whole line of tinctures. We have a 750 milligram CBD tincture in 15 milliliters, which is a half ounce. Most okay. companies have 30 ml, which is a full ounce. And we yeah. chose to go with a smaller bottle just because it was more concentrated. And I think that was just sort of what we were used to manufacturing on the cannabis yeah. side. Yeah. So we have a really amazing tincture line. We have, I think, five tinctures. We have a pet product, and then we have four human tinctures. We have one designed especially for women who have sort of like hormonal problems, um, Mm -hmm. things like endometriosis, anything hormones, like I said. um, It's amazing. It's called Comfort. And And what are the differences between the human and the pet and the... You know the product for women. What I mean in terms of formulations and like, what are you doing differently in these to make them specific to these categories? So with our pet product, it's called Pet Love. There's actually nothing distinct about it from our human line. A lot of companies will create a pet product, and it's the pet products are either very weak or extremely overpriced, just because for a dog or a cat or something. Yeah. We don't have a price difference. It's it's pretty much our same formulation as our unflavored natural tincture called Balance. Okay. But we found that uh, the consumer wants to buy a product that's marketed towards a pet. Yeah. So we've created a pet product. It's again, it's no different. Mm-hmm. It's just in a different box and it, with a different label. Yeah. Uh, we make one of the most potent products on the market for pets. It's 750 milligrams in a 15 milliliter bottle, like I said. So it's very concentrated. And the reason why we picked our potency for 750 milligrams is because we've, we we kind of did a lot of research. We found that most people take between 10 and 50 milligrams a day. So instead of having like 10 different tinctures with different strengths, we just created one. So people can dose the, the minimum or the maximum sort of in that window. So they can basically they have the ability to self self dose and you're just giving them the upper bound on that so they can if they want to go that high they can. Exactly. And and that's what's nice about tinctures too, is that you can self dose and, and like the dropper, the little glass pipette with the rubber top. Mm-hmm that has little lines on it that have the measurements so you can really dose yourself accurately. Yeah, that's always the thing I find about all of this stuff is being able to actually dose yourself because you don't, I mean, A, you don't know what the dose is, what's in there, and then B, trying to figure out how to measure out some of these things or, you know, you've got these gummies and it's like, all right, well, can I eat half a gummy? And like, yeah. <laughs> how do I make sure that this is really yeah. I guess that's especially important for the THC side, right? You know, yes. you need to, yeah. but it is important for CBD too. You really need to know how much you're taking. And then getting back to the comfort tincture, what makes that tincture very unique is we use something called evening primrose oil and our 
all of our other tinctures, they use MCT oil as the base, which is medium chain triglyceride. It's just a fractionated coconut oil. The evening primrose is from the evening primrose seed. It's a little flower and it's extremely nutritious. So it has a lot of nutrients and it's kind of a folk remedy. If you go to any natural practitioner, like a naturopath, uh, you're a Mm -hmm. woman, she might put you on, he or she might put you on evening primrose oil. Okay. So that's sort of the base of comfort. And that's it's a very unique product. We also steep it with vanilla bean pods for about three to four months. So it's a very time consuming, laborious um, infusion. Yeah. I mean, so, and how, I mean, I guess I like this idea of, you know, adding other botanicals, you know, the other plant, you know, medicines and into this. How have you gone about? learning about these or seeing where the opportunities are or you know, cho- choosing choosing the other things that you're bringing into your formulations? Yeah, um, I think, to be honest, I think a lot of it is intuitive. So yeah. I kind of, I've always been into plants and botanicals and like their healing properties. So I don't technically have like any formal training in plants and stuff, but it's all self-taught. It, so again, it's, it's intuitive. I think a lot of times I was like, you know what? I think that these these you know botanicals would pair very well, especially for flavor profiles. So firstly, we want to create a tincture that tastes good, right? So yeah. the comfort is Madagascar vanilla bean and orange. So it's a creamsicle flavor. So you're not, like but it. you're not getting the sugar, and yeah. it's 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 very popular. And also, you know, just knowing the medicinal properties of these plants kind of played into a role. And again, we're about synergy, and so it's like this idea of one plus one plus one equals four. You know what I mean? It's it's these plant compounds have this synergistic effect. They multiply. So you're not just getting the CBD. You're not just getting this. You're getting the the multiplication of all these compounds together mm-hmm. to create, you know, this one plus one equals four type of thing. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And so you've got, you know, products that you've developed. Who have you been targeting or keeping in mind certain types of audiences or customers? I mean, you mentioned the one product, you know, specifically designed for women, but in terms of other kind of categories or particular people that you want to be developing products for? Yeah. So I think we are, I think our line honestly is tailored towards women. I don't know why that is per se. I think that you know, if you look at the demographics, I think more women are seeking CBD than men mm-hmm. or like the wife or the girlfriend or the grandmother, you know, yeah. they're, they're the ones that tend to. So I think naturally our product line is tailored to women. Like we talk to a lot of our retailers and they're like, yeah, you know what? When the women, when the female employees sell your product, you know, it's sort of flying off the shelf and it just speaks to women, the aesthetics of the packaging. And we make some amazing body butters. And I, I just think, you know, the scents kind of are more feminine and, um, it's sort of just been marketed to women. I yeah. mean, it wasn't our necessarily like our, our purposeful intention. It I just resonated. Think, yeah, it just sort of resonated. And I think women tend to be the more, uh, you know, they're, they're in charge of the household in that regard, like taking care <laughs> of their husband, making sure he, you know, he's in pain, but he's too stubborn to go out and, you know, do something. So yeah, <laughs> but yeah, we, we also make a facial well, a oil. Of stubborn. Yes, yeah. I agree. We also make a facial oil that is incredible. Yeah. It's our Bloom facial oil. We make a Bloom. So we have a Bloom collection, our Bloom facial oil, which is a rose geranium, which is, again, incredible. And then we have the the sort of the related product, associated product called Bloom. It's our body butter. It's a rose, a damask rose auto body butter that smells heavenly. Nice. So yeah. a, lot of people, a lot of women, they'll buy them together as the set. Yeah. 
Yeah, interesting. So, and um, as you kind of look out strategically going forward, any any particular categories or areas that you think are really good ones to focus on? You know, people coming into the space here. You know, areas that you think have you know good future possibility or or think are going to have you know meet needs and innovation and that that you think are good areas to be in. Um, yeah, there's I mean a few. Uh, the CBD edible category is kind of becoming more popular. I mean, a lot of people are doing gummies and stuff, but I think there's a big there's a a niche for like edibles, you know, so cookies, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Um, But the problem is with that is that CBD is technically not allowed to be added to food. So there's some sort of gray area around that, but that's a big, that's a big area that I think needs to be filled. And then skincare, obviously skincare, natural skincare. And then, I mean, there's, I mean, so many different ways you could take your CBD. I mean, there's people coming out with CBD pillows. It's like ridiculous, right? (laughs) Come on. I mean, we, we, yeah, I mean, I I love, we've got this little joke that if if there's a surface or a hole, we'll figure out how to make cannabis in it. (laughs) I I swear. I mean, toilet paper, you you name it. I mean, it's so ridiculous, but yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of room for growth in the CBD industry and some more unique avenues. But I see skincare kind of taking off right now. Mm-hmm. Drinks, the beverage, the beverage sector. Yeah, that's been an uh, interesting one. Ocean, I've seen a couple of people ocean come spray, out about THC and CBD. Yeah, Ocean Spray just launched a yeah, line. So a lot of big companies. So, but yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I mean, yeah. Any pieces of advice or, or anything that you'd suggest for folks coming, either getting into the cannabis space or transferring into the cannabis space from other other industries, things they should know or be aware of or prepare themselves for? Yeah, it's not an easy road. A yeah. lot of people think they can come into the cannabis industry and make a lot of money. And I think that they might be surprised. I mean, you, there's a, of course, there's a lot of room for growth and there's a lot of money in this industry, but it's a difficult road. I mean, just as a CBD industry, I mean, from banking to getting a merchant processor. So if you plan to sell stuff on your website, it it's a little easier these days, but yeah. I mean, you used to have to go through a, a third party payment processor that they would require like, um, you know, you have to jump through all these hoops and you have to pay a reserve. So every time you sell something, they take 10% and put it in a separate account and you don't get that money back for at least a year. So it's just yeah, robbery. Yeah. <laughs> it is robbery. robbery. Like so we just actually just got several thousand dollars back that yeah. they had been holding for two years. Oh and God. so as a small company, that's really tough, you know? Yeah. So yeah, so there's tons of roadblocks just for again from like I'm in California, so it's it's not easy to own a CBD company in California because a lot of our retailers they're getting visited by the Department of Health and they're yeah. saying, you know, you need to take down all of your C B D products, these are illegal. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so get ready is what I'm saying. Get get ready yeah. for a fight. I mean, if yeah. I could recommend choosing a different path, I probably would just because, <laughs> you know, it, it's not without its challenges and proceed um, with caution. And it yeah. really it really weighs on you, you know, from a psychological um, yeah. perspective. I mean, from a standpoint, it's I mean, there's days when, you know, as a business owner, I, I tell my fiance, I'm like, so, I'm so depressed about this. You know, I'm so frustrated with this. Like, there's not a day that goes by that I'm not frustrated by something in this industry. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wish I wish I could say it was only cannabis. I feel a lot of entrepreneurs, early stage companies, you know, growth companies are always challenges. But yes, can- cannabis adds, it throws in its own kind of mix uh, of of uh, curveballs at times. Absolutely, so. and the market is so flooded. I mean, it r- really yeah. is very challenging to get our products into shops now. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so it's it's just one of those things. Yeah, Jacob, it's been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, about So Eden, what's the best way to get that information? 
Definitely check out our website. It's just uh, www.soeden.com. They can follow us on Instagram, face, Facebook, email us if they want, if they have any more questions. Uh, if you want to email us, our email address is hello at soeden.com. Excellent. I'll make sure that all the links and, and email and everything is in the show notes. Yeah, and it was a pleasure talking to you, Bruce. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Hope to talk to you soon. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.